I just always say, don't you have anything better to do than just to like, I mean, people, again, this is the whole thing we talked about earlier. People take the joy out of everything now. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, it, you know, I, again, it's, it's, it's not, I, I just don't find the word spaz to be a word of like anything that's like, okay, I've never been like, I don't think it means the same thing as mentally retarded or, or mentally handicapped or whatever. Whatever. I, I don't understand it. I, I don't think there really is a problem with the word retarded. Retard means to slow. I just think it's just a, to me, that's again, the thing is, I use all the words. I don't use all the words, obviously, but I use a lot of the words that you're not supposed to use. And it's not out of malice. It's because I think intent is at least as important as impact. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. uses bad words. If you don't like bad words, maybe shouldn't listen to it. <laughs> All right, this is Don Hall. David Himmel is taking time off because he just had spawn. <laughs> Katie dropped dropped the, the child into the grasses of the Serengeti and then hung it right on her teat and is now... Uh, continuing to clean fish and make thatch houses. So uh, that's what's going on. So my guest today, our, our very special guest, we've had him on the uh, the Apecast prior, and uh, he's an excellent human being. Welcome, Rory Zacker. Hello, Mr. Hall. It is an honor to be here and to replace Davy Himmel's size five feet. I will do my best. So. <laughs> he is, you know, he is a slight man. Uh, yes. Did he said? Did he send you the picture of him uh, paid time off, where he's laying in? It, it, oh, in, in the what kiddie looks pool? like yeah, like a kiddie pool out in his backyard. Yeah, I said nice grinder profile. Oh, um, see that you said nice grinder profile. I said, hey, how about how about go to the fucking gym, you pasty sloppy Jew, and yeah. uh, you know. Yeah. A, they, they, they he was running up. for. I think he still runs. No, he still runs, but his upper body can't lift a weight. Yeah, I'm gonna say. I, I wonder if if I ate with him, if he could lift a fucking fork. Are you kidding me? He's like that, like in those old uh, Bugs Bunny cartoons, the female hen that has like the baby, like just like <laughs> yes, he's, he's like just like very slight and bony. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you're old enough to know what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, I am. I do. Yeah, I know so, exactly who you're yeah. talking about. That's funny. All right. So I asked you this week what topic you wanted to talk about, and it didn't take too much time to text back. The topic that we will be discussing um, is why American steakhouses are the best last part of America because everything else sucks. So let me let me let me break it down first. Let's before we get to the steakhouses. Everything else in America sucks. Why elaborate on on why you think America? Sucks. Well, you know, it's 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 a broad generalization, but like right now, if you're like plugged into anything that has a screen, you know, you you will see that um, America is, uh, I'd say, the most divided since the Civil War. Perhaps I don't know, but I I would just say like there's no joy in anything anymore. Um, because everything is getting fucked up by people who just won't let us have a good time. You know, I was, and, I, it's interesting that you bring up the word joy. Um, <laughs> as you know, I'm a big, uh, I'm, I'm sort of a reality TV whore. That's, I wouldn't call it my guilty pleasure. It's sort of like I eat Taco Bell every night. I love reality <laughs> TV. And okay. there hasn't been any good reality TV that's new lately, Survivors, you know, in, 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 yeah. in production, all that kind of stuff. And I, I was looking for something. And I found the challenge. You know what the oh. challenge is? I've heard of it, but explain it to me like it, the whole. It's MTV. It started off as the real world versus road rules. And oh, from, yeah, the challenge, yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. And, and from what I understood, I haven't watched any of the earliest, earliest ones. But from what I understood, it was basically just like the real world with sort of like Big Brother dumbass games. But TJ Lavin, who's a big BMX guy. Um, sure. No, that He's the host. Well, I mean, you know, the one of one of these one of these thirty thirty episode runs uh, seasons. 
um, was the final challenge, which they basically start with like 30 people and they winnow them down to like six. And the okay. final challenge was a three-day challenge. You had to sleep outside. Um, you were partnered. One, th- this killed me. One of them was your partner, either you got to sleep or your partner and your partner was on standing on a log the whole time. Um, and if they fell off, you couldn't either one of you sleep, so you had to trade off. It's like fucked up. But then the last leg of the race was they had to climb a 14,000-foot mountain. So, I mean, they're not fucking around. This shit is, oh. is serious, right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's intense. Yeah. Well, what I've been doing, because I kind of got sucked in, and I've been watching this stuff like, uh, you know, like a hoarder hoards bowling shoes. Um, it's been crazy. But one of the things, when you mentioned joy, I've been thinking a lot about this because there was early on, like somewhere in the middle of the season that became the challenge, I started watching them, and they're fun. You know, a part of it is because there are legacy players that have been playing for like 12, 15 years, and then they yeah. bring in new people, and it's, you know, and it's all battling, and it's sort of like, it's sort of like we're going to have these incredible extreme sports things, and then when we're not doing that, they're in the house getting drunk, fucking, and, and, and being like teenagers, you know, just gossiping and fighting and that kind of shit. But in the early episodes, at least the ones I watched, they were having fun. I mean, you know, nobody hated each other. There wasn't any great... There were still battles when they got drunk. There were hookups, all that kind of stuff. But it it, it, it was fun, and, and they were very funny. It was a little bit like jackass in that way. It was like, this cool. is stupid, but they're having... You can tell these people are having a great time doing this. Well, then somewhere along the line, I've been watching it sequentially. Um, I mean, there's a couple things that have gone very... That, that were really dark. And there's a character, I mean, he's a character, he's an actor. He's not even an actor, he's a reality TV star. He's been on it since it started. His, his, he's Italian, and I don't know what his last name is, but they call him Johnny Bananas. The joy, the joy yeah. was stripped from it. Everybody was so hateful and so mean-spirited and so bullying and just shitty. And, and a running been, Well, yeah, and that's what I think America is kind of, as you point, it's like, is that that place is that... We're just not having any fun with each other, and we're and there's no sense of humor about the world. Nope. And you know, yeah. So keep keep. And then, I, and I just like, want to interject with the joy. And That's if you easy. go somewhere that you want to have fun in, there's now a risk of getting killed by uh, crazy gunmen, and uh, you know, movies, concerts, uh, ball games. It's just like you know, people are in the ball games, fist fighting over you know dumb shit. It's just like you just can't have fun anymore. Yeah, everybody's so yeah. angry, and uh, you know, and I, I've, I've been thinking about this. I, I did. I wrote a piece about this. It's like, uh, and I'm curious to see if uh, what your answer is. is uh, I realize that a lot of my political, I don't even think I have an ideology. I mean, when, at one point I wrote that by the time I left Chicago, there were people so far left that I was told to my face they thought I was a racist Nazi. Yeah. Okay. I came to yeah. Las Vegas, and I'm. I'm pretty much a centrist in Las Vegas. Yeah. I'm moving to Kansas uh, next month, <laughs> and I'm going to be a libtard in Kansas. And my views haven't changed at all, all three yeah. times, right? But what I realize is that a lot of our political ideologies, our political beliefs, are not beliefs so much as spawned by some sort of personal experience. You know, I had all that bullshit, all that kinds of culture call-out bullshit that happened to me in Chicago. Yeah. And I read. I'd been, you know, I I was way in, into the whole call out culture and call and cancel culture up until I got called out and canceled. And then that changed my whole perspective on that sort of ideology. And so I've been. I, I was walking the strip the other day, and I ran into this uh, this guy wearing a Let's Go Brandon shirt, and I laughed. And he looked at me like, "Oh, kindred spirit." He gets the joke, and I just laughed because I thought. I hadn't actually seen somebody wear a Let's Brandon, Let's Go Brandon t-shirt, and that made me laugh. And so he comes over and he goes, so, uh, yeah, he wants, he wants to talk. And I, I was like, I was like, he said, yeah, you think the sh- you like like my shirt? I said, I, well, I said, it's funny. I said, I'm not, I'm not of your time, you know, I'm not of, in, yeah. in your camp. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, I'm a little more, I'm, I'm, I'm what I call a classic liberal. You know, I said, so, yeah, I, I, but I get it, and I understand that it's a joke, and I actually think it's kind of a funny joke, 
given the basis of where it came from because that was funny. So we start talking, and it suddenly hit me. And I said, I said, so have you always been like sort of a MAGA uh, Republican? And he goes, no, no. He said, I wasn't all that political in my 20s and 30s. I said, really? I said, so you weren't political, or you were just not interested in politics at all? He said, no. And I said, so what changed? And he, he stopped because we were kind of strolling. But he stopped and he went, my fucking ex-wife. I said, what? He goes, man, she was such a fucking lefty asshole. She was such an asshole about women's rights and all that shit. And then we got divorced, and I'm like, fuck her. You know, and I said, yeah. so why do you wear the shirt? He goes, oh, just to piss the kids off. <laughs> I went, you know, there's out a good of the year right here. Well, Get there's, a good, out. there's a good chance that many of these people that we polarize against are really just doing it to piss the kids off. Because their ex-wife was on the other side of things. So what? I mean, how dare her for trying to get equal rights? I mean, well, well, you know, the thing about it was, you know, it's like I, I kind of understand that. It reminds me, and, and you know, I, I had this conversation a long time ago. Is uh, I was talking to a woman in the casino, and she was just going up and down about young black men and how dangerous they were. And I was like, that's not. You know, that's not really been my experience. I said, I'll tell you, I said, and then again, go that personal thing. I said, you know, I was mugged three times when I lived in Chicago. And all three times I was mugged by young black men. All three times. I said, but do I look at young black men and think I'm going to be mugged every time I see one? No. Why? Because I'm an adult. Because I'm grown up. Because I understand that's not how it works. I, I understand that just because it happened to me three times, that doesn't mean that's how it always happens, always, or, yeah. you know, I'm, you know, and so I'm curious, your political leanings, and I think I know most of them, um, sure. were you always that way, or did something happen that kind of shifted your perspective, that, that caused that epiphany? You know, not really, I mean, I grew up in a liberal household, my dad was a hippie, he was at Woodstock, and my dad was like, you know, weed smoking, you know, all that, you know, he was just, he still is like my dad writes poetry and puts it on Facebook and I, it's, he, and it's his thing. I mean, he is a liberal. He is like, my dad is a look at a sunset and what, how beautiful it is kind of guy. Yeah. My mom is a liberal too. She, you know, she's not as, you know, when Trump got reelected, my dad really like pumped up his old hippie blood and started like a liberal group for people in the suburbs of Chicago and, um, North Shore Democrats, and they still, I think, you know, had a lot of meetings, whatever. But anyways, I grew up in a liberal household. I didn't grow up in a very, um, my grandparents were, you know, traditional. I never heard anything bad. Like my, you know, just my grandmother would use a Yiddish word for black people every so often, but like nothing bad, you know. Um, but I just grew up, you vote, you know, liberal people can do, you know, women are allowed to have free reign over their bodies and you know, uh, gay marriage, who cares? As long as people are not hurting anybody, kids or dogs or animals, who cares? You know, yeah. so I never really grew up with like having to rebel against my my square, you know, uh, suburban parents. Yeah. Um, so is there, anybody, I, I, has there been a, a political a political belief that has changed since, you know, it's like, have you gone, and not, not necessarily, I don't know, even know if it's like a, a rebellion against parents or anything, but like, as you've gone on, something changed your mind about your worldview, and you kind of made oh, a, either a yeah. Give me an example of a radical. Well, shift. I mean, I went to I went to high school in the suburbs of Chicago, a predominantly white, Jewish, Asian, and Christian school. No, we didn't go. I, my high school did not have. We had one black guy my my freshman year, and he graduated, and then I don't think we had a black guy for the other three years of my high school. Um, I went to college in Miami, Florida. I didn't go to back then in our high, you know, high school. We didn't have openly gay kids. We didn't have a gay uh, LGBTQ club. We did not have that. Yeah. Um, and you know, just it, it just you know, we weren't like going around like anti. We just didn't. It just wasn't the fashion at the time to be as open as people are now. And um, so I went to college in Miami. I'm in the theater program, and I'm surrounded by, you know, more African Americans. I'm surrounded by more um, Hispanics, more more gay. Um, and it, it was kind of a culture shock for me for a while, just because while I didn't have prejudices, I didn't really have a lot of experience and, um, and it kind of opened my eyes to like, there is a worldview out there beyond my, um, 
my, you know, cookie cutter Ferris Bueller high school experience. And there's, you know, I had to kind of get used to like being around uh, very effeminate gay men, um, which I was not really used to. Yeah. And then, and then when I went to, uh, when I moved to LA, then I was around even more. And, you know, I lived in, um, in an area where there was many, um, um, uh, sex workers who were transgender and it just was something that I'd never seen, but like, I wasn't brought up to hate. I wasn't brought up to anything. I just was kind of like, huh? Okay. Um, and I just, you know, when I'm curious, I'll ask questions. Yeah. And, um, so sometimes I will just ask questions and like, I'd be at like, you know, just say, Hey, what's just, you know, just kind of what's going on. What, what how do you do it? You know, I, I like learning and, um, you know, to this day, I love like late night Wikipedia, just down the rabbit hole. But like, um, it, it, it just shifted me more that there's like, because I never, I've never not voted Democrat in my life. So while my, I, I actually got maybe a little bit more liberal, just because I was around more different cultures, races, you know, and everything like that. So it just, it just kind of broadened my horizons. That it didn't transform me, but it, it just made me aware of like, there's more than just you know, a Jewish community in like your little suburban Chicago town. Yeah. Yeah. And it made me want to leave and it made me want to like go to LA, go to Miami, you know, and everything. So I just wanted yeah. to kind of be more world. of that city environment. I don't want to be like, I, to this day, I don't want to be back in the suburbs because I find it to be very white, very Jewish or very just, I don't want to be around people that just look like me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that you know, we're missing joy. We're also missing curiosity. Yeah, I mean, it's, like it's okay to ask curious. questions. Yeah, people are no longer curious about one another. They, 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 they're, they're fine going on Twitter and, and just figuring that everybody's either against them or against them or against. I like learning about what I like learning about what people are about. Like when I was in Amsterdam years ago, I was in the red light district and I and I met this uh, sex worker and she was British. Um, she was outside smoking a cigarette and I just was like, because most of the the sex workers there, are, you know, speak very little English and. Mm -hmm. um, and I was curious. I was just like, what, what, and I actually was working in the adult industry at the time. So I was like, what, um, what brought you here? What do you, do you enjoy it? Uh, you know, and she was loving. I just was like, so, and I wasn't condescending to her. No, I wasn't you judging her. I was genuinely, you were just I know, questions. I was just genuinely curious about this woman and a lifestyle that I did not really know much about, but like, I'm willing to learn about it. And it was just really cool. And I, I just like doing that with, pretty much anybody. Yes, so. I, I have a very different, like I was, again, thinking about those pivotal moments. Uh, when, when I was in college, I went to college, university, same, I, I would argue that uh, our high school experience was pretty similar when it came to diversity. Um, middle of nowhere, Kansas, mostly white. We had four, in a graduating class of 86, we had four black students. They were, were like all, No, they were all friends of mine. <laughs> but okay, then again, cool. then again, then again, the three gay guys were friends of mine because um, I've, I was sort of like the defender of the nerds or <laughs> an outcast. I was like the I was like what what is the what's the name of the the fucking You're Eddie Munson. No, the, Eddie the, Munson and Stranger uh, Things. There you go, Eddie Munson. There you go, there you go. You know, and that was kind of that was kind of my role, uh, mainly because I was bigger. I mean, I haven't really grown taller since. I mean, I, I think yeah, I was five yeah. eleven when I was like <laughs> fucking in eighth grade, okay. but uh, you know, I, I certainly got fatter. But you know, what are you going to do? But yeah. I was bigger and then you know, thinner. Yeah, I did get thinner, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, when I went to college, you know, my first, in 84, um, I voted for Reagan. Because I was totally into the fucking, I, I was into the pro-America, and I thought, yeah, God bless America, a thousand lights. And, you know, I was like, he really says this is a very positive message. But I wasn't digging very deep, because that wasn't, you know, I was fucking 18, I didn't give a shit. And uh, I went to college, University of Arkansas, in the marching band, and one of my best friends, I mean, he was, over the course of the first and second year of college, he and I just, I mean, we hung out fucking all the time. We just laughed all the time. His name was Billy Squires, not... <laughs> okay. He was a musician, he was a drummer, but, uh, but his name was Billy Squires. And, I mean, I, I don't know where it came from, I really don't. Maybe it came just because I, was, I went to high school in Kansas, but... Uh, just anti-gay, man. I was just, I was that guy. I was like that Rush Limbaugh. The fags are doing this, and I send them all to a fucking island, and AIDS is their disease, and, you know, just all that shit. And somewhere in the second year, uh, Billy just got drunk as shit and came into my room. I think I was cramming for a test or something, but he was furious. 
and I didn't know what it was. And he said, "You're a fucking asshole." You're, and he just, you know, it's like so drunk where he's 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 trying to elongate. I hate you know that kind of word, you know, like that. Okay. Kind of, wow. and, and it turned out that Billy was gay, and that he'd oh. been my friend for a year and a half, listening to me anti-gay fucking diatribe for a year and a half and and wasn't going to be my fucking friend anymore he couldn't take it you know you're a fucking bigot and you're a piece of shit and, and he was right and he left and it broke it really le legitimately broke my heart it hurt my feelings i felt so embarrassed i was so i you know i'm just like all of my bias everything just swirling around i didn't know what to do you know because i knew he wasn't going to be my friend anymore and I didn't blame him for that, but I was like, so what do I got to do? Well, Dixon Street in Fayetteville has got about nine gay bars. It's the gayest, Fayetteville per capita is the gayest little town in Arkansas, and just all these gay bars. So I started going to gay bars, and I would sit down, and I would get a drink, and I would wait until somebody said something to me, and then I would say, hey, I know this isn't your place, but... Apparently, I'm a real homophobic asshole, and I don't want to be. So could you talk to me a little bit about that? And I had drinks thrown in my face. I got beat up a couple of times. But wow. I had enough people that actually, because that was the thing, is I, I guess I, I really was conflicted by this because I kept coming back, even despite being beat up in alleys a couple of times. I just kept coming back. And I had a couple of uh, women and men um, really take the time to, to ask me questions and talk me through it a little bit. And I kind of came out, well, the way, I, the way I like to end the story is that uh, sometime in Chicago before I left, I was, uh, I've got, the, you know, the, the mail-in order uh, ministry thing, and, uh, and I officiated a, a gay wedding. You know, I mean, it's like, cool. I, I totally, I mean, I went from one extreme to a complete other extreme because of that one friend that I loved to death that I lost because I was such an asshole. So that's that's one of those things where, you know, I, I look oh. at... And so I think about that, and I think that's... I, I don't think enough people are looking for those moments and maybe interrogating themselves of why they believe what they believe. Did you ever... Um, have you ever looked up Billy Squires and see where he's at now? Nope. Never have? No, okay. that's... You know, I, I wouldn't blame him, you know, if he hated me till the day he died. Totally fine. But I always use his name. I've told stories on stage. I've written articles about it. And I always say, and so, and I will say now, again, sorry, Billy. I had no idea, and I didn't know I was being a piece of shit. And I'm glad, I can say I'm you, very man. glad that he finally called me on my shit the way he did. Because yeah. um, I deserved you're, it. And your life could have taken a whole different turn oh, had he not. No so. shit, right? I mean, I'd been no. a totally different person. And, and so I keep looking at those and trying to find those moments in my life that that solidified a belief or change radically changed a belief and i think that's a i think if you don't have those you don't look or you're not looking for them you're not curious enough about your own beliefs i i, I mean that's just my my thought yeah you know? no it's it's you know it, it took a while for me to get fully comfortable around it just because i wasn't exposed to it but once i was in the world and around people you know like theater parties in college and um where there's a lot more, where there was gay and lesbians, I just became like, okay, you know, cool. I mean, honestly, it was just, then it became just nothing. And it's to this day, I don't really care. Like I'm married to um, my wife, who's friends with a lot of people who perform in drag and mm -hmm. a lot of gay men and everything. And it's, it's yeah. great. I always say, if you're an asshole, you're an asshole. I don't care what your color or what your gender preference is. You know, yeah, asshole is universal. Yeah. There's the bottom of every race barrel, and I've encountered them all. And and you know, and I've met you know asshole straight people, asshole gay people. It's just you know, I'm like the Rachel Dolezal of of assholes. I, I I'm a really nice guy, but I identify as an asshole. Yeah, you're nicer than you think, though. <laughs> no, I'm real nice. I just like yeah, identify are. as an asshole. That's yeah, why you know, you know, it's kind of a fakery. I'm just, I'm a smart ass. I'm kind of like Himmel in that sense, but yeah. like, you know, but I just, I, I just hate being around people that are just like, again, I, if, I'm at the age, I'm at the age now where it's like, if I don't want to hang out with you, I ain't gonna hang out with you. Yeah. It's, I just, I just don't have time for it. Yeah, I'm under the perspective is if you are 100 percent certain of something, I, I have no time for you. 
because there's because that's that's just a road. Once you've stopped inquisitive, being inquisitive about yourself, about your beliefs, about why things are, once you've stopped and you said, "All right, I've got the answer. This is good. This is evil. That's it. I'm done." Then yeah. Yeah, okay, go go on your yeah. way. Go do your if thing. People don't want to learn. Then good luck to you. Sack of the news. This was in the Washington Post. I'm going to open it up. It is eight. How eighty dogs? I picked this one just for you. We're uh, saved. We're, oh. We've done a lot of rescues, but never one like this. And it basically was uh, a probation officer vi- visited a condemned house in the morning, July 22nd, in Ohio, Newark, Ohio. Okay. Um, they violated probation, and he discovered. 80 small dogs, chihuahuas and shih tzus, living in squalor. Oh, they were probably raising them as bait dogs. Uh huh. That's exactly what they were doing. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on that news item? Well, um, for those who are un- uninformed, I volunteer animal transport and do volunteer animal rescue when I can. Um, so, I drive cats and dogs from usually from the CACC kill shelter of Chicago to fosters vets where the fosters will get them or to the actual um, fosters home and so i've i've had animal i've had kittens die in my car i've had dogs um uh i drive uh usually every every other saturday to indiana to do a a dog transport for a, a rescue called one more dog rescue but um i absolutely despise dog fighting um any kind of animal fighting um it's i don't i don't brutal. support great I don't support greyhound races. I don't support the ponies. And I just, I, to me, it's, I, I don't like it. Uh, I'm not a vegetarian, but I, I don't like car- carriages in the city. And people who breed dogs for fighting are the absolute lowest of the low. I once, when I waited tables, um, I refused to serve Michael Vick. Um, and I was like, I'm not taking this table. I don't want his money. Um, another table can, uh, can, can deal with that. I just, I just, I don't care. Yeah. Um, I, I just think it's shitty all around. Um, I'm glad the dogs hopefully I'll be okay. Rescues, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's the, that. It's a really good story. And I, it, again, it's one of those I'm glad things. it got, yeah. I try to go out of but my I, way to not doom scrolling. You can't help it sometimes, but I like to find sure. some things like while I'm looking at my news items in the morning, I always try to find something that makes me feel good about the world. And that was one of them is that they were just probation officers. And the thing is, and that's the thing. I, I what I thought was interesting is when I read it was it, it wasn't like I was angry at the people who were hoarding the dogs. I was just so pleased with the yeah. people that found and rescued the dogs. And I thought that's, I, that's, that's I, I'm always happy when the dogs and cats and other animals get out. Um, I, in animal rescue, you see the best and the worst of people, um, it, which kind of sucks because it gives you like, you know you see what people can do to animals and you just go, I don't understand how people can be that cruel. And then you see people who will drive 500 miles to rescue a dog. And then you, you kind of get restored in human decency again. But like, I, I am of the belief and maybe I'm in the minority that I think people who do like dog fighting and just any of that kind of shit, um, should get severe jail times. I, I, I would even be so bold as to say, I, I would be happy if they got executed. I don't like dog fighters. I don't like any of that shit. There you go. I agree. All right. Number two. My, my opinion. Number two. Um, the F, FTC is suing Penguin Random House because Penguin Random House is proposing an acquisition of the rival publishing rival Simon & Schuster, which would reduce the big five, which there's only five U.S. publishers, to four. Okay, so it's, they're trying to like, you know, what is it like antitrust or like monopoly? Yeah. Trying to you know build a monopoly? Yeah. Um, I mean, what the hell? Google. Uh, I mean, Amazon's going to own everything anyway soon. So what's uh, what's the matter, right? Yeah. Well, it, um, it's interesting because Literate Press, we're you know kind of in the business of self-publishing and fo- focusing on that, and that's what I've noticed is because I've I've got now two books um, that are being in the process of being acquired and published by independent press. Cool. Um, but trying to break into one of the big five or the big four, which it may be, um, is nearly impossible. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's going to make it harder for yeah, to get small, a book published, writers to get in there. Yeah. Yeah. To get a book published, um, these days is almost like getting a movie made. Yeah. It's just so expensive and nobody wants to take a risk and, 
it's unfortunate that a lot of people who have something to say that that that's valuable or could not get as mass exposure as they could because the limiting of these publishers but you know um you know and again it's you know books are different than like tiktok or any of those other things you can't just like you know if you want to publish your book online but it's unfortunate it's like small town small filmmakers who are getting shut out because you know everything is marvel or superheroes or like you know big bang you know all that all that kind of shit it's so i think it's gonna probably be a detriment to the written world because more people's voices aren't going to be as as loud as they could be so well and, and what i think is and I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, seth godin um is you know if you're waiting for somebody to pick you you're wasting your time pick yourself that's what i love about uh self-publishing because it's you know you can i've, I've got eight books self-published available for sale on amazon.com and barnes and noble which soon will probably not be barnes and noble anymore but uh you know and and it does not you know it's not like i'm not making millions of dollars but i also have the perspective that if you if what you do artistically is to make money you've already fucked yourself You've yeah. already you've already siloed yourself into a very mediocre uh, pursuit. I think the younger generation will be more adept to self-publishing because I think the older generation is just so like, you know, a little bit technologically uh, deficient. But if for all the young people out there, they're going to put their stuff out and it's going to be found, whether it's through social media, whether it's through, you know, their websites or whatever. But like could be good it could be like when you know it was like the early 90s with like the whole independent mm -hmm. filmmaking boom that just happened but um you know again that's devil's advocate hopefully it'll go that way as opposed to people getting shut out there you so. go number three the disabled community called out beyonce's song heated which includes the lyrics spazzing on that ass spaz on that ass in the united states Spaz is a popular slang meaning go crazy, which is problematic in its own way. But the word is an ableist insult in the UK and other countries. I I actually texted my sister about this because she's a big Beyonce fan. I said, this is so fucking stupid. This is like, this is like too left even for me. I'm like, I'm good. I think it's dumb. Um, even my sister, who she's very liberal too. She's like, yeah, this is stupid. I'm like, this is when I don't understand the young generation. I'm just like, man, this is this is stupid. So I totally I, I, understand I don't think it's a big deal. It's a, it's a power play. If, if, if somebody else, if somebody goes after, I'll give you a perfect example, in my opinion. Um, you know, I hate Jake. I don't, but you know, trans activists hate J.K. Rowling. Despite the fact that if you read what she's written, she's very supportive of equal rights for transgender men and women. She's very, she just does not believe that a trans woman is the same as a biologic woman. That's really her home. That's it. And she feels that that marginalizes serious crimes against women that she's been fighting against since she was abused as a wife. So, you know, there you got that. So I get that. I understand it. But when you get the notoriety for pointing that out and getting, you know, you get that Twitter following and you get those likes and you get that affirmation, man, that shit's like a drug. And I'm absolutely certain that some, somebody that decided I'm going to take on Beyonce, you don't take on Beyonce because you just want to solve a problem. You take on Beyonce so lots of people will see you take on Beyonce. <laughs> So. It's, you know, people who build up celebrities just to cheer when they get torn down. But, like, mm -hmm. I just always say, don't you have anything better to do than just to, like, I mean, people, again, this is the whole thing we talked about earlier. People take the joy out of everything now. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, it, you know, I, again, it's, it's, it's not, I, I just don't find the word spaz to be a word of, like, anything that's, like, okay, I've never been, like, I don't think it means the same thing as mentally retarded or, or mentally handicapped or whatever. Whatever. I don't understand it. I, I don't think there really is a problem with the word retarded. Retard means to slow. I just think it's just a, no, I don't you know, it's like, yeah, no, to me, that's again, the thing is I use all the words. I don't use all the words, obviously, but I use a lot of the words that you're not supposed to use. And it's not out of malice. It's because I think intent is at least as important as impact. Yeah, if I don't I mean, intend to offend you and you get offended, that's not my problem. Well, if I, I intend just... to offend you and you're offended, well, then it, then then that's an equal exchange. But if I don't intend to offend you and you're offended, I will apologize. And if you don't accept that apology, now it's your fucking problem, not mine anymore. 
I, I'm just as a proud Gen Xer. I'm just I just sometimes can't believe like the younger generations and just how just really fragile they are. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like okay, you know, if this is what you really want to like, you know, go to battle. Is it if this is the hill you're dying on? Beyonce's song and the word spaz. Okay, yay, good for you. Yeah, but yeah. The I world's on so fire, sad. and you're I mean, worried about like, Beyonce's okay. song. Number four, California declares state of emergency over monkeypox. Uh, yes, monkeypox. Well, I mean, Illinois is pretty bad right now, too, apparently. I think we're, like, up there in the top three states that have monkeypox. Um, state of emergency? I mean, there's a vaccine. I know. There's, you can't die from it. No. So it's just basically just more fear from the media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love California. I lived there uh, for many years, but, like, sometimes I'm just like... <sighs> fix your homeless problem in LA and in Uh San Francisco, you know, it's just like, you got people living in tents right on the side, the sidewalk and you're worried about a a monkey pox outbreak. Okay. I I just, you know, I I mean, it's just so many other problems that I think are really severe, but it's just more media, you know, just like people, you know, breaking news and just like, okay, let's get it. Well, we got 20, we got 24 hours to fill the news. Let's find as much bullshit. All right. On a plus note, given especially given the fact that I'll be moving there uh, in a month, Kansas voters block effort to ban abortion in state constitutional amendment vote. You know, I was, I'm surprised. Um, but I, uh, I think that's awesome. Um, I am a, a proud pro-choice uh, advocate. Um, it's not my position to tell a woman what to do with her body. Um, and I find it ludicrous that people try to do so. Um, cool. Uh, I mean, the majority of the country doesn't want, didn't want Roe versus Wade overturned anyway. Um, I'm hoping more people show up and turn out to, you know, to vote uh, the the abortion uh, uh, anti-abortionists um, to vote them out. But I never thought it would be Kansas. I'll be honest. Well, you know what I think is fascinating is because, like, like I said, I went to school in Kansas, high school, high school in Kansas. And that was the beginning. In fact, in the 80s, between 1982 and 84, that was the beginning of the real serious anti-abortion movement in this country, okay. Operation Rescue. Um, and, they, I mean, that was the central point. In Kansas, in Wichita specifically, that was where you saw national news of, of anti-abortionists lining up and screaming at uh, women getting abortions. And uh, I think it was Kansas, too, the first doctors who were killed one by a bomb and one by a bullet were in kansas but from operation rescue so it's fascinating to me and really thrilling the fact that when i left kansas it was a hotbed of anti-abortion and as i'm coming back to kansas um it is uh it's looking it's looking a bit more progressive looking a little bit more uh a little more reasonable (laughs) a little more a little more a little more my taste i guess because yeah, I agree with you, I'm pro-choice across. The, although I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit more like a Dave Chappelle pro-choice, in that I absolutely think a woman has a choice uh, to do whatever she wants with her body. But if she chooses to have the baby and the man doesn't want to, he shouldn't have to pay for it. He gets choice too. I think that you know that's a Dave Chappelle joke, but I think that's true. If you ch- if 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 it's if you can't come to an agreement as a couple whether or not to have a baby. You gotta own 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 your choices. I, I'm a hundred percent in favor of a woman's right to all reproductive health. But if you choose, then you can't say I chose and you have to pay for it. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's just I mean, I don't know. I find the whole abort, you know, these you know people who are so anti-abortion across the board are in the minority. Unfortunately, they're the voices we're hearing a lot of. But like, I'm hoping that some of these Republicans who are you know. Um, socially liberal you know maybe just vote with their hearts and just try to because i just find this whole overturning of it just to be disgusting and uh you know I'm, well I'm, i think if we're I'm smart, glad the women of kansas you know and yeah people I, came out i think women of kansas I, I, is good i think if we're smart what we do is we take it as an opportunity rather than a defeat because yeah. i actually don't think it's a defeat i think it is a changing of the terms and uh really i mean if you really i mean Alito's a piece of shit, but if you read what he wrote, sort of like around the snark, 
basically said this is up to states this is up to the states to decide okay well then step the fuck up vote for people in your state legislatures that are going to be mm-hmm. pro-choice that's it that's the whole thing and if and once that happens you can't change it it doesn't get changed it's law because Roe v. Wade was never law. It was never a constitutional amendment. I mean, what I really think, again, what I really think is motherfucker, man. When I, In the 70s, when I was before high school, the ERA was a big deal. It got defeated. It's not been brought up, brought up one other time. Motherfucker, get the ERA back on the ballot. Make it an, a, a, an amendment to the Constitution that guarantees these rights because you can't overturn without a massive amount of effort an amendment to the Constitution. All right, and number six. <laughs> Batgirl. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, so you do know about this. Batgirl directors this one, yeah. respond to surprise acting. Basically, um, Warner Brothers basically said uh, they've been working on a Batgirl movie, and uh, they've spent $100 million on this production, and they're almost done with it. And Warner Brothers just canned it. They just said, "Nope, we're not going to have a Batgirl movie. It's gone." We we and 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 they haven't really even given a reason, just that it wasn't a good movie, and we're not going to put it out. And the directors are like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, nobody knew. Um, <laughs> I have two opinions on this. One, I'm bummed for the one reason that uh, Brendan Fraser was the bad guy in this movie, and I love Brendan Fraser, and I think he's one of the nicest people in Hollywood, and I root for him. Yes, and I'm bummed. I, I just think this would have been something else for his comeback. He's doing well, but like I really would have liked have you to seen see Doom him Patrol. As the uh, I have not seen Doom Patrol. Oh God! And the thing that makes me sad is that he, you know he's really just a voice actor in a suit. You know, it's like a, yeah. But he makes that fucking show, and it's a good he, show. So I mean, he's he's great, and I met him once years ago in LA. Nicest guy. He was at a when I waited tables. He was there with some uh, kids from a charity, his charity or something. And he was just taking him out, and it was a really cool guy. But like, um, DC is a mess. I, I'm not the I'm not a comic nerd. I like the I like the superhero movies, some of them. Um, DC is a mess. They just can't get any organization in that, and in that um, department. I mean, Marvel is so well thought out. Well, you um, know why that you know why DC's fucked up. They don't have Kevin Feige. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, they don't have the Marvel organization. They don't have an architect. Like who's kind of overseeing this and saying, yeah. I'm going to make this work all together. They're just, I, they're, they're literally just throwing shit up on the walls and hoping it works. My other, the other thing I can see is this movie must've been one really bad. Um, because Michael Keaton was in it as he has like a few scenes. J.K. Like, Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Jesus um, Christ. Yeah. Yeah. But to, to pull it at probably female superhero movies. Yeah. A lot, a lot of female superhero movies. I mean, I don't see like Wonder Woman is the one exception, but I don't think female, you know, I'm going to take that back. I don't think anything Batgirl or Supergirl related is good. I don't, I don't, I don't think those characters sell as well as they do like, um, um, uh, Black Widow from Marvel. Again, I think it's just a marketing. I don't think DC does a great job of marketing their female superheroes very well. I agree with that. Um, well, that's because Wonder Woman was brilliant, but Wonder Woman 1984 was a oh, piece it's of awful, shit. Awful. It was a turd. I love the first Wonder Woman. And, I and do I too. Don't know, I just don't know if females, I think they do go to movies. I think they do. I, I just don't know if DC is the right film company to market superhero films for the female. And maybe they just shit the bed in this movie. But like, I, I would like to see it. I would like, I wish I they would, would release it. I'm I sure a bootleg copy will come out. Yeah. I feel bad for the actors, uh, the actor who plays Batgirl. Right? I mean, they, that's such an opportunity spent, just like yanked from you. You, you think know? how much time it how much time it takes to make a movie, the amount of time these people have been putting Money. into this, and you know, I mean, the directors have spent years, and and just to have it just unceremoniously, all right, yeah, we're not doing this movie anymore, even though it's almost done. And the other That's thing that bothers me with it is they gave up on this movie, but they're giving the guy who plays the Flash, Ezra Miller, like four chances, and he's been like, like he's a scumbag. This guy's this piece of shit. Well, yeah, this guy's a turd. And his movie's coming out in twenty twenty three, something like that. And, yeah. And it's just like, why are you giving this guy? And this shows the bullshit of Hollywood. They're giving this this guy, and I don't know, uh, you know, they're giving them um, all these chances, and Batgirl just immediately just goes. Pfft. 
done. Yeah, yeah. I do. You know, I well. The, I guess my perspective is 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 DC. If they had been smart, and and maybe this is just because, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not a part of the Snyderverse. But if they just let Zack Snyder, because I don't like everything he does, but if they just let no. him be consistent with what he was doing, it would have built the same kind of credibility that Marvel built. Because John Favreau created Marvel with yeah. Feige, Feige, and they put it together, and it was the it was we're going to take this very seriously, but it's still going to be a very wise cracking. There's going to be humor, and there's going to be great action, good and writing, this, and we're going to yeah, and and great writing really. And uh, and and we're going to be consistent from movie to movie. We're going to try to now because they've been consistent over twenty six films, they can start experimenting in real big swings like Eternals, which I did not like, but I appreciated the big swing. I you agree. Know, uh, DC, Thor: Love and Thunder. I didn't I like it very it much. I, I didn't. It I, you know, it's funny, but I think it makes it. I mean, I, I'm you know, like I wrote. I wrote in in uh, Littered Ape. I think. Uh, Taika Waititi is almost becoming Marvel's Joel Schumacher, and so we're just—it's just a matter before we have Iron Man nipples soon, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I, but uh, I appreciate the big swing, movie, you know. But yeah, Marvel can experiment more because they have the more proven track record. Where every time a DC movie comes out, it gets like analyzed, like it's a Zapruder film, and they've had some good—they've had some good ones. I like the Snyder cut. I did not like the uh, Joss Whedon one. Um, I like the first Wonder Woman. I agree. I, agree. I like the Batman with Robert Pattinson. I was surprised that I, I did. loved that movie. I really I dug it. Believe how um, much I like that movie. But like again, they've had some. I don't like their Superman mo- movies. I don't like the. Uh, I like Jason Momoa as Aquaman, but I don't like Aquaman. Yeah, the movie. Yeah. Um, I didn't either. And it's just unfortunate. And I'm I'm not really psyched on the Flash because this guy's an asshole. I don't give I a shit about the Flash. I mean, it, it, yeah. I'm getting to the point where, and because I love, I grew up. That's how I learned how to read. And that's not, you know, I make that comment a lot. That's not inconsequential. Yeah. How you learn to read, in, is very influential to what <laughs> you like to read. I learned to read by reading comic books, and I read Marvel and DC. Didn't matter. Okay. And uh, I'm finally getting to a point where. I mean, there there was a point where any movie I I waited my whole life for the Avengers movie to come out. I, God damn it, that was the great. You know, now I'm waiting the rest of my waning days for them <laughs> to finally make a fucking Fantastic Four movie that I don't want to fucking kill somebody over. It's uh, they announced a new one. So. I know, and I yeah. as long as they don't fuck it up, because right now the only Fantastic Four movie that has ever existed that is worth a shit is The Incredibles. So uh, I would like to actually see a Fantastic Four movie that actually... You, you didn't like the movie that they made to like keep the rights and it's like the most low-budget shit film ever? With Miles Teller. That's why uh, I didn't... That's why I hated it. No, 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 no. There's like a... The, the, not There's even Roger Corman's the, version, which is in yeah, 1990. Yeah, that really shitty 90s one or something. Yeah, 94, 94. That oh, was the Roger so, Corman. It's so... It's so it's awful, so, But it's, it's so wonderful great. because it's so bad. It's like and, the, the, the uh, Tommy Wiseau movie. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just... The you, just fucking, you just have to watch it. It's it's sort of like watching off-loop theater. You know, it's like, hey, we're, so we're going to make some shit out of plastic <laughs> and some styrofoam and hope you buy it. It's, it's so... It's the worst shit. thing ever. This is going to be a pattern for two of these tonight, but I am a sucker for any um, TV show or movie or anything that's based on like move, like pop culture, just the mate. I like, I like a band, anything like that. Um, I, I, I just finished a book uh, called leave the gun, take the cannoli. And it's about the making of the Godfather. Oh my God! Ba- oh yeah! It's it's what they uh, um, based that show on the Paramount the offer. the offer. Yeah, yeah. It's based on this book, and I I mean I love The Godfather. I was raised yeah. on The Godfather, and just reading. I love when I watch a movie, uh, reading about the making of it, or like just like the behind the scenes, the trivia. I if it's based on true stories, I will see it's based on. Oh, then I'm starting. You know, like I'll read about the, the who it's based on and their life, and just like Wikipedia wormholes and like. I love that. Like seeing what was true, what was not. 
this book was so cool. It's, you know, uh, uh, Albert Ruddy, the producer of The Godfather, mm-hmm. and just what happened to make this movie with the mob and Joe Colombo and uh, with, um, um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Robert Evans, yeah, oh God. Uh, the producer. Matthew, and did, did, did you see the offer? He was so He good. was the best. And I hated Miles Teller until I saw that, and now I love Miles Teller. He, they were phenomenal, but um, God, Matthew Robert. Good needs an Emmy. If oh, he doesn't win an Emmy, so I will be in that fucking show. I mean, Chicky Baby, uh, and, and like he um, just because I, I watched a, a YouTube that was it, it had Matthew Good doing Robert Evans, and then there was Robert Evans from The Kid Stays in the Picture. And it's like motherfucker, did he nail this? I, I mean, it's he so nailed it. That show was great. I love Dan Fogler. Uh-huh. I watch him in anything. Um, you know. Um, it, it just and I, the, I mean, bonus points for seeing Lou Ferrigno as Lenny Montana, who was Luca Brasi. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, but like the book Perfect. is so. It, the book goes into so much more detail. Oh, I okay, and now I gotta read. It. I, I yeah, I, I downloaded it um, through the the Libby app on my Kindle, and it was just like I couldn't put it down. I read it in like a day and a half. It was so there good. Go. All right, my first thing is a watch. Um, I love my action films. I like it when they're creative a little bit. It's interesting. To see Ryan Gosling um, and Chris Evans um, and a whole lot of really of, of Marvel stars in the Netflix The Gray Man. Yep, it's on my list. Yeah, and what what I loved about it was there are two things. First of all, I loved it. I mean, it's not deep, no. and it's and it's derivative, and that's fine. It's fun. The second thing I thought was interesting was it is so over the fucking top in terms of the budget, the production value, this thing is fucking groovy. They, they, they spent $200 million on it, and it's almost, it felt like there were certain action sequences where they were like, shit, man, we got some budget left over. Well, we, we got like another $50 million, and they're going to take it away if we don't spend it. So what else can we do that will just use all that money? Because this is the most opulent fucking it's i loved it it's not great cinema but god damn it it's a great movie it's super fun have you read the book no books i never even heard of it i read the first book and i didn't see um gosling in the role i think he's good i'm sure he is i i pictured this guy bigger um It's kind of like when you know Jack Reacher came out and Tom Cruise was Jack Reacher, was who was six five, thing. and I'm like, get the fuck out of here, Tom Cruise. But the show on Amazon is really good. It's great. The guy who plays Reacher is phenomenal. Yeah, um, he's, he's in. Uh, he's also he plays Hawk in uh, the uh, Teen Titans on HBO Max. He's oh, good. Okay. He's, he's really I mean, good. Yeah, I I loved it, but like I'm I'm curious to see the Gray Man because I've heard it's. I mean, the book is just like action, action, action. Oh, action. it is. So, it's just so nonstop. Opulent, ridiculous. How much shit can we blow up? How much ridiculous yeah, bullshit fun. can we pull? It is a, it's a ton of fun. It's I mean, I grew up with the Seagal's Van Damme, all those movies, and just we like, like sometimes actors. I just, I mean, I go back to the Schwarzenegger movies of the eighties before I go back to like the, you know, two thousand whatever he made you know, that crap, like the yeah. Sixth Day. Yeah, fuck. I'd rather watch. Give, give me Predator, man. That's give what me I Predator. Want to see. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see it. I'll tell you my opinion when I watch it. Okay, yeah, because I think you'll like it. I loved it. Yeah, it's fun. It's cheesecake. Yep. Um, my second thing. Okay. Um, again, I'm a sucker for true stories. Um, my my wife is currently uh, shooting. Uh, she's the makeup artist on a movie in Chicago, so I have to not watch shows that we watch together. So I started <coughs> and finished on Hulu. Uh, Pistol about the Sex Pistols. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's on my list. So tell, tell me, and, what do you think? And I, I mean, I love the Sex Pistols. I mean, I was. It was a little bit before my time. I was born when they, right, like right around that time. But like, of course, I when discovered them. Seventy-eight. So you were they born started seventy-eight. Yeah. Holy 78. fuck! I'm old. Yeah, but um, I really enjoyed the show. Danny Boyle directs it from Train Spotting. Yeah, he's great. It's, it's it's based on Steve Jones, the guitar player from Sex Pistols book or memoir. I really dug it. Um, it's a six episode watch, so it goes quick. I loved just seeing. Like and then learning about the Sex Pistols and what happened in the show versus well, how it was in the movie and like just like some of these how these songs were created and just like the relationships. My only complaint of the show is the final episode was rushed and I wish they would have had maybe two more episodes to give me a little bit more details. Um, 
But overall, I enjoyed it. I think the performances were great. The guy who plays Johnny Rotten is phenomenal. Okay, I'm in. Um, you, I really dug see, it. That was um, the that was the one thing I was waiting to hear. And if and if he's good, then then I'm fucking in. Because like I said, it's been sitting yeah. in my queue for a while, so I got to watch. It. it was sitting in mine too, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna watch this." Kelly doesn't care. Um, I'm glad I did. I really dug it. Um, you know, they created one great album. It's just they're so fascinating to read, and how like Billy Idol spawned from them, and Susie Sue, and um, and they're like portrayed in the movie in the show. Um, and I do not believe Sid Vicious killed Nancy Spungen. So I agree, I, and I agree with you on that. I, I yeah, that's a, all right. Mine is my second thing is um, it's in theaters right now. Um, there, there, there's great debate online whether or not this is the worst or the best of Jordan Peele's films. My argument is it is the best. No, okay. um, it is. It's brilliant. I, I mean, it's, haven't seen it, but I've it, heard it's amazing. It's this is the thing. And as someone, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give any spoilers, even though here on the cast we love to give spoilers, but that's because it's just it just was fucking released. Um, I'm not a total piece of shit, but yeah, no what I will say <laughs> is what I will say is everybody's trying to figure out what because Get Out is obvious what it's about. Sure. I mean, there's no question what he's trying to say. Us is Us a little murkier. So, it was cool. Huh? Us was so cool. Yeah, but it's, it's a, but it's a little murkier about what he's trying to say with the film. What is he exactly satirizing? What is he actually trying to say? But it's still clear. Nope could be about a lot of things. I know what I think it's about, and that's why I think you will like it very much. I know I will. Um, yeah, I, I, think I, it, I, I think it's about, I think it's about um, man's arrogance in the face of nature. Okay. I'll keep that um, in mind when and, I just want to see it. Yeah, but I want to hear what you, I'd love to hear what you think about it. I, yeah, I, it's good. It I never theater. go to the movies, but I, I yeah, really want to see it. You know, I, right now I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm living in an apartment um, in 112 degree weather. So I don't travel outside and my ex-wife lives 25 feet from me. So I try not to leave the house a lot. Um, and I, and I work remotely. So, I don't get out very often. So once in a while, if there's a new movie, I live across the street from a casino that has a, 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 a theater. I go see a movie. I went and saw Nope the other day. And at the end of it, I, it was very interesting. It, it's the best kind of, for me, it's the best kind of movie experience, which is I left the movie and I didn't know if I liked it. It wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be because Jordan's very funny. Not a lot of laughs, but there were some real interesting connections. And I was like, I don't know. If, I don't know how much I enjoyed this. And then over the course of two days, I thought about it and I thought about it. And I started putting things together. And I, and I went, I, I think it's easily his best work. And uh, for, a third film, for a filmmaker, that's, that's saying something. I, I, think it's, I think it's fucking brilliant. I've I've always liked him. I liked him. I, I then I I always liked him. But then when I started like loving him is when um, us came out and it, uh, you know it takes place uh, Santa Cruz yep. on the same boardwalk from Lost Boys and they're, the beginning is in '86 and they actually mm -hmm. reference them filming Lost Boys because Jordan Peele is a huge fan of Lost Boys and I was yeah. like I have a soft spot in my heart for the Lost Boys the movie I love that film mm -hmm. I watch it every Halloween and I was like okay cool this meeting this guy I like this guy I, I'm. I'm a fan. My third thing, um, as you know, and now the world will know, is I, uh, in, an, in an attempt to hang out with Davey Himmelmore, um, I started a barbecue club with him. And it's called Ribbed for Our Pleasure. And basically once a month, me and him, it's we're the only two full-time club members. We meet and we go try some barbecue somewhere in the city, some places we've been to before, some places we're trying for the first time. Each month we pick a different one. Um, Dave, Davey is wifed up with two kids now, a mortgage. He has no life. So this is a, my attempt to try to hang out with him more because I actually sometimes enjoy his company. So I had the pleasure of taking him um, the last one, uh, which uh, I chose. It was my turn. And I wanted to wait for a warm month. We went to Lem's Barbecue on the south oh, side of Chicago. Fuck off, right? Davey. Davey had never been. It's the and, best goddamn barbecue in the city of Chicago. And God it was, damn. Yeah, and I missed that. It was so good. Um, I've been there a bunch. My wife 
turned me on to it through um, my father-in-law. And um, if, for those who don't know Lems, it's it's on the it's in the South Side. It's been around since the '60s. It's on 75th, right? 75th. Yeah, it's right across from Brown Sugar Bakery, which yes, is a it is bakery, which is and they've got great yeah great baked goods. So good. Um, there is no tables in Lems. You either bring it home or you no, eat it. You on eat the hood it on your car. no no no. You eat it on the fucking hood of your car. That's where you and eat. that and that is what I told Mr. Himmel to do. Yeah. He sat out right on 75th, mm-hmm. and we just put it on the hood of my car. Mm-hmm. Had a shit ton of napkins, and as as Himmel said, we had barbecue like how men should have barbecue. That's and it exactly was, right. The rib tips, the sauce, the mild sauce. You can't even, you have to buy a soda from the vending machine inside Lems. Yeah. And they don't fuck around and yep. they just give it to you. It's a bag, it's soaked through. It's delicious. It's God the, bless Lems. It's the best barbecue in, in, in Chicago. That There's not a question in my mind. There's yeah. Number one, my second favorite is Twin Anchors, but I love Lems. Really? Have you tried, is it, I want to call it, is it Green Door? Green Street Meats is Green phenomenal. Street. That's a Green man. Street they meets. do really nice. We job. had a great barbecue there. They do a great my job favorites. there. When, so when do you I, do this? What 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 day of the month? Honestly, it's kind of when Himmel gives me his schedule and when Katie lets him go out. Okay, well in <laughs> so. October because, like I said, I'm moving to Kansas September. Um, I'm going to take a month to get my sea legs, so to speak, my 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 plane legs, and then I'm going to in October I'm going to drive up uh, to Chicago for a week just to visit. So I, I, we'll I do wanna, it around your schedule. So we'll yeah, plan wanna, October so you can be our first guest uh, barbecue, and it'll be nice to be with somebody who will actually finish his food because Himmel has the, the you know the gullet of a, a baby bird. Well, and yeah, he can never finish his meal. So that's because he's the chick. All right. He orders on a key orders from the kids menu. So. My number three is a read, believe it or not. Jonathan Haidt in the Atlantic. Yes, social media really is undermining democracy. Um, it's got a couple of links to stuff he's written before. It is a really um, okay. it's serious. And 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 he I you know, Jonathan Haidt's the guy that uh, wrote co-wrote The Coddling of the American Mind. Um, what 10 years ago, whatever it was. Um, and, uh, and he really has done a deep dive on how social media has really been bad for our democratic institutions, yep. our elections and all that kind of yep. stuff. And he puts it very cleanly that it's not, it's not up for debate. It, it, it's, it's just simply become, not that it was intended to be, but it no. has become a really bad thing for our democratic institutions. I would concur 100%. Yeah, it's well read. Well, thank you. This that's the show. Thank you so much, Rory. This was fun. Not nearly as uh, wisecracking because we talked about serious shit. Yeah, you know, I I tried to throw in a few Himmel jabs at the end, but no, it was nice to just actually talk. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of the things Himmel Himmel gets a little mad because uh, whenever I have a guest on, we actually we actually have substantive conversations. When he's on, it's him desperately trying to find the joke all yeah. the time. Which is fine. It I find it quite story uh, of his life, man. Yeah, that and and his, uh, you know, it's like it's 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 like I said. One day his son Harry and soon to be Jake will grow up and they will listen to the hundreds of fucking. This is episode two forty four. The hundreds of episodes of his father bitching about getting married, bitching about having a son. Or almost have a son, then then bitching about having a son, then <laughs> bitching does. about having another son, bitching about his job. I mean, he's going to get a real insight on who his dad was. Yeah, poor kid's going to need therapy. And unfortunately, I wanted him to name his second kid Paxton Himmel, but he said no. So I was well, just like, give him a real, give him a real douchey name, Paxton. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny that, uh, and I will give a call out, given that you uh, your first thing was all about sort of like. That inside background, I don't know if you listen to it, but Donnie Smith, who is an actor friend of mine, he's been in movies with McConaughey and Pacino, and uh, he and I do a, a movie podcast called I Like to Watch. Yeah, you've told me, yes, yes. Yeah, and uh, and we did, uh, we did in, uh, we dropped the episode on the 29th of Ju- July, which was the, uh, I think it was the 34th anniversary of Cocktail um, premiering. And we cocktail. had Himmel on to talk about cocktail, and uh, he his joke to Donnie and I was when when he finally had the baby, he said, "I've decided to name him Brian Flanagan Himmel." So I don't give a fuck the fact that he's now ha- he has a Harry and a Jake, 
which means he better not be saving a college fund. He just needs to be saving up for a bar. Because Harry and Jake own a fucking bar. That's it. Either that or they're a 1970s fucking buddy cop movie starring Jeff Bridges and Mickey Rourke. Um, but, uh, um, you know, but that, that I'm, I'm never going to call that kid anything but Flanagan. And the kid's never going to know why. All right. Well, thank you so much. You have an outstanding time. And uh, that's the show. You can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast, Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com.